I want to echo what Sean has already said about uh, it being a really, really uh, neat weekend. And I just have to be honest, um, I think that I deserve some of the credit for that. Um, if you were here last week, we talked about how Punxsutawney Phil saw his shadow. And how that meant spring was coming. And, and, and I told everybody that was here last week, I said, you're going to be the generation. You are going to be the generation that tells your grandchildren, I remember what it was like to have a winter, to see snow. Because I said, well, we're just never going to see it apparently anymore. And then lo and behold, what happens during the very week that I say, there's no snow coming. And so I started thinking, what are some other things? What are some other areas that maybe I could help with? And I thought about Tennessee football. I saw C. Mark come in this morning, and I wanted to go ahead and tell him ahead of time I was going to um, say this so that he could get excited, because um, you might be the last generation. You might be the last generation that says, I remember when we beat Florida, Georgia, and Alabama all in the same season, right? Now, when this happens, when this happens again, I want you to remember that it was today that it was said and I would like the credit, see, Mark, and any place you'd like to take me to eat would be fine. And so I look forward to the day when the um, five-star hearts become five-star talent. And uh, everything's great. So there you go. All for, all for you guys. Hey, we also said last week that, that there is no way for us to be faithful servants of the kingdom of God without taking some big risks, kind of like me talking about Tennessee football. Uh, God trusts us with his stuff. And what we need to do then is leverage what he gives us. We need to leverage what he gives us in order to put, in order to put his gifts to work until he returns. God invites us to expand the borders of his kingdom by using the things that he has put into our hands. And we saw last week from Scripture that faithful servants are those who, who throw caution to the wind, who, who dream big and risk all for the cause of Christ. And we ask the question, what does it mean then to, what does it mean to take some big risk in your own personal life? Uh, maybe it has something to do with the way in which you, you purpose your finances. Maybe it, maybe it means starting a, a Bible study there in your neighborhood, in your home, in your dorm room. Maybe it's using money that you've been setting aside for vacation to participate in one of the many mission opportunities that we have here within our church family. Perhaps it means volunteering your time and talents to be used in an existing ministry that we have right here or, or brainstorming and, and coming up with a new ministry that can be launched. And it can be you who is leading that and you who is encouraging others to come and join you in what is being done for the kingdom of God. Maybe it's, maybe it's just asking God, how do you want to use my family? How do you want to use my property? How do you want to use my money? How do you want to use my gifts? And then, and then realizing, wait a minute, Lord, I'm asking it up from the wrong perspective. I need to be saying, God, how do you want to use your family? And how do you want to use your property? And how do you want to use your money? And how do you want me to use your gifts in order that I can be a blessing to those who are around me? See, I think it's all about becoming more intentional or more risky with God's blessings. And so we said that during February, we're going, to be, we're going to be dreaming big. 
And you see the balloons that are here uh, behind me. Um, for those of you with ADHD, they will not be spinning this week. <laughs> I heard from some of you, it's like, well, it was just hard to concentrate, man. Those balloons were just spinning, and, and I was just, whoo. Yeah, they are still today. I hope. We'll see. Uh, but you know what? We are just, we, we are not by nature risky people necessarily. More often than not, we, we find that we are cautious because we learn the hard way. During the care, carefree days of our youth, we, we learn that risky behavior does not always pay off. Or have you forgotten about the time when you had the mullet or the Aquanet bangs? Yeah. Now, you're going to be seeing some photos that are going to come up on the screen. I, I, I put out on Facebook a request this week, and I said, hey, I need, I need some big hair pictures. And some of you uh, um, did that, even my wife. That's my lovely wife in the middle. I'm not going to call out everybody, but I will at least call out Miss Tanya and, um, and say that's, I mean, well, yeah, right? I mean, that's why I was married. Smoking hot wife, that's what you do. Um, uh, but some of you, it was, it was funny, you sent pictures of your family, <laughs> not of yourself necessarily, but you said, here, I'll, I'll show pictures of my family and show you that. There, there were others, you sent photos, you were just like, this is just big hair hanging out. This is what we did. We just got pictures with big hair hanging out. Some of you said, I'm not going to send pictures of myself, my family, but I'll send pictures of people that I know, and uh, you, can, um, you can use those. We even got middle school pictures that were sent in, Right? Got middle school photos. We got high school photos that were sent in. Yeah, some of you might recognize. That's our connections coordinator right there. That's Miss Amy Marcus. All right. Now, it wasn't just the ladies that sent in the pictures. I had some friends that I went to college with. This guy, he's sending a picture. Uh, that was before Napoleon Dynamite got discovered. That was that was just that was just before. Uh, just before, and, and then there was the "Hey Ladies" picture that I received. <laughs> Some of you might recognize one of our spiritual leaders here. That's right. And, and then there was the picture of "Hey, my hair is bigger than my wife's." I uh, thought that was thought that was good. Appreciate it. Um, and, and then there was a picture where. Um, a father decided, you know what, I, I will send this in for my child. Um, because, because a lot of you know Dr. Robertson, and you know how, you, you know how he is so helpful and the great job, that he, how he looks so professional, but um, Johnny thought you might like to see him when, well, um, but, here, but let me tell you my favorite. I didn't realize what a wild man we had here uh, within our uh, congregation. Uh, many of you for a long time ha have, have known uh, Mr. Ernie Hedgecourth, and um, he served for, for us as, a, as an elder here, and, and his family submitted a photo, and I just thought I would share this. <laughs> you know, if you can't let the front or back grow out, you just let the sides go, right? I'm working on that. I'm trying to figure that one I'm trying to figure that one out. Hey, here's what you learn from these pictures, but also what we're going to discover in Scripture today. Big risk, and some of this was a big risk, always requires big faith. So we talked last week about faith, or risk, but 
we got to talk this week about faith because if it doesn't require faith, then it must not involve very much risk. Scripture is just overflowing with stories about God asking ordinary people to engage in acts of extraordinary trust. Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. Abraham, when called to go to a place that he would later receive for his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though Scripture says he did not know where he was going. Sarah, who was past childbearing age, wasn't able to bear children because she considered him faithful who made the promise. Moses chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. And the people of Israel, well, they went right through the Red Sea as if they were walking on dry ground. You continue reading through Scripture. You find that there was a widow who used what she thought was the last of her oil and flour in order to feed God's prophet. You can find the story of a young boy who walked onto the battlefield with a sling and a few rocks. There's a story of a man who led a ragtag army armed with only torches and buckets. And don't forget the story of a young girl and her fiancé who welcomed an unexpected pregnancy. Story about fishermen who left their nets. Tax collectors who left their money bags, all in order to follow Jesus. And occasionally, someone would even go and jump out of a boat. And that is what I want you to think about today. I want to do some boat rocking. I want to do some boat rocking today, and I want you to consider the boat that you are sailing in when it comes to the relationship that you have with God. Open up your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 14. Jesus and his disciples had just wrapped up a huge seaside catering event. They were fish and chips for everybody, so much so they had to get extra baskets. And as Jesus was saying all of his goodbyes, he told his disciples to set sail for the opposite side of the lake. He needed some time alone. He needed some solitude. He needed some silence. Jesus had just recently learned about the death of John the Baptist, and he needed some time to pray, and he needed some time to grieve. And so he sent his disciples away. And Jesus, well, he went up on a mountainside. He went up into the hills, and he prays, and he prays, and he prays. Day turns into night, and Jesus remains in the hills. And listen to how Matthew describes what happens next. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from the land. For a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost! But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. Then Peter called to him. Lord, hey, if it's really you, then tell me to come to you walking on the water. And Jesus said, come. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. Will you bow your heads in prayer for a moment, please? Father, we are a cautious people. We ask Siri and Alexa and Google what the weather is going to be before we ever go outside. 
We want to make sure that everything is planned just right. We want to make sure that we've got everything set aside just perfect, set aside for college, set aside for retirement. That there can be, there can be a plan, that there can be a way for us to know exactly what's going to be coming and that we have an answer for every single thing. And then there are those moments, Father, when you show up and all of a sudden the waves begin to, to push against our boat and the winds begin to blow and we become afraid. In those moments, Father, when we call out to you and say, Lord, can we just come and be near you? Can we come and be near you in the midst of the storm because we do not know the answers. We do not know how to solve the problems. We don't know what's going to happen next. Father, will you give us, will you give us the faith, the faith to believe that when you call us, that we, can, that we can go, that we can step out, that we can begin to walk towards you, that we can accomplish what it is that you have equipped us for. Father, it's a terrifying thing to take risk for you. But the rewards are so great, and, and we're able to experience life in a way that we've never seen it before. We're able to, to see goals accomplished. We're, we're, able to see, we're able to see souls saved. So I pray today that, that you would do a little boat shaking, that you would do a little rattling around in our lives, and Father, that you would inspire us to take big risk because we have big faith in a big God. We thank you for calling us. We thank you for the task that you have set before us. And Father, we look forward to celebrating with you the victories that are going to come. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. As you look through Matthew 14 here, there, I think there's a constant pattern concerning what takes place in the life of a disciple. The first thing that comes to mind is that we all desire to be near Jesus, especially when things are not going too well. I want you to put yourself in the story for just a minute. I want you to think about how, how that it's 3 o'clock in the morning, and the waves are coming up over the edge of the boat. There's darkness all around. The wind is tossing everything around. You are in this huge struggle, and you are just trying to stay alive. We see where we are. We're surrounded by the waves of disappointment and doubt. The winds of shame and failure are making it hard to stay afloat. But then we get a glimpse of Jesus. We're not sure if it's him or not. We're not sure if it's actually the Lord, but you know what? We, we heard a sermon or we read a tract or a friend shared a song with us. And we think, well, you know what? I've tried everything else. Why not, why not give Jesus a try? And surprisingly, when we ask, he says, come. I'll take you. I'll take you as you, as you are and, and I'll change you. Come on and, and walk with me and, and learn from me and, and imitate me. Breathe me in as we share time together. And so we risk the known for the unknown. We step over the side of our life's boat and we attempt to, to walk toward him. We've never walked like this before and we're not sure how we're going to do it and if we're going to make it. And just like a toddler, we struggle to stay upright. And for a while we do, and we're excited, and we're, we're filled with all kinds of celebration. 
Because our life has changed and our focus is different. Our priorities have been realigned. There is a new hope that we have within us. But then our desire to be near Jesus. Well, it's often overcome by our fears. Because God has a habit of asking people to do things that scare them to death. It scares us to death. And so the desire that we have to be near Jesus, well, all of a sudden the fear comes in and it, and it wipes it out. It says that in verse 30, when, when Peter saw the strong wind and the waves, though the word saw, it meant to perceive fully. And what it's saying here is that, hey, it got real. Now, now Peter, he, he saw the waves before, and I mean, he, he was experiencing the wind when he was there in the boat, but, but all of a sudden now, when he steps out of the boat, the text says he saw it, he perceived it, it was around him, it enveloped him. It's when we get into the middle of it, when, when we get surrounded, when the waves begin to crash against us, when we get the bill that we were not expecting, when we put the house up for sale. When we find out that we're expecting child number one or, or child number two or, or three or four. When we walk out of our job with our box in our arms, it's real. We're in the midst of it. When a church walks away from tradition, when a church moves from being inward to outward focus, when a church invites the Holy Spirit to move freely, when a church opens its doors to people who, who do not look, dress, or talk, or, or live like them, when a church confronts gossip and selfishness with the same zeal that it celebrates belief in baptism, it gets real. And all of a sudden, we're not in Kansas anymore. God has called us to something that we do not believe we are equipped to handle. And just like Peter, we become terrified. We see the wind, we... See, the waves. And when it talks there in verse 30, how that he was afraid, how he was terrified, it's a word that means to put into flight. It's the idea that because of what it is that you have experienced, it's because of what you have run into, that you want to turn around and you want to go in the opposite direction. Peter begins to sink, and I believe what happens is he turns around and he tries to swim back to the boat. He's terrified. He's put into flight. He's going in the opposite direction. He wants to go back. Back home. Back to his happy place. Back to how things used to be. You know, I've witnessed this in faith communities through the years. The leaders pray for vision. And then with intentionality set out to make that vision a reality only to be faced with waves of criticism and complaints. And the leaders become afraid. Because what if people leave? What if the money dries up? And they become terrified. They are put into flight and run back to business as usual and forfeit God-given dreams on the altar of fear. And church, if it wasn't scary, it wouldn't require faith. You understand that, right? If it wasn't something that terrified you, there would be no reason for faith. It's why last week I asked you to imagine with me a church community that doubled its impact, doubled the number of baptisms, doubled the number of small groups, doubled the number of worshipers, doubled the number of worship assemblies, 
Double the number of schools that we serve, of, of ministries that we offer, of mission points that we go and involve ourselves in. But to accomplish something like that, man, that's scary. Big risk requires big faith. We have to think outside of the box. We have to consider new models and strategies and to accomplish big dreams. It means taking some big risk and, and setting what Jim Collins in his book Built to Last called BHAG. Those of you in the business world, you know about BHAGs, right? Big, hairy, audacious goals. And you've heard about them in your workplace, and you've probably had to write down some BHAGs, and you've had to have meetings around it. And I'm looking forward to the day when the kingdom of God says, you know what? We have a BHAG, and it came from the Lord Almighty because he said that I'm going to be sending you into the furthest reaches of the world, and you are going to be my disciples. And you are going to go and you are going to call others to be disciples. And you are going to baptize them and you're going to teach them everything that I've commanded you. Now that's a big, hairy, audacious goal. And guess what? It's the goal for this church. It's the goal for this family. It's the goal for your family. It's the goal for your life. Jim says it's a long-term goal that changes the very nature of a business's existence. Where all of a sudden what you have in five years is not what you had previously. Now how would you like to have a BHAG for your family and you look at it and say, you know what, in five years the way that our family operates, the way that we, that we speak to one another, the way in which we show love, the way in which we serve, it's going to be totally different because we're going to set some big, hairy, audacious goals in our marriage. We're going to set it when it comes to our parenting. We're going to set it when it comes to the relationships that we have, the way in which we use our money, the way in which we use our property, the way that we drive our car, the way in which we think about everything that takes place within our family. And what if as a church, what if as a church we said, you know what, we're going to embrace the big, hairy, audacious goal of God of seeing his kingdom here on earth. We're going to embrace it together and we're going to reach out to those who are around us and we're going to share the good news. The big, hairy, audacious goal. Now you need to understand something. To continue as we are requires very little faith. It's like that in every area of our life. You don't have to have faith to give in to addiction. You don't need faith to succumb to lust. You don't need faith to hoard. You don't need faith to allow sexism and racism to win the day. You, you, you don't need faith to keep your belief in Christ to yourself. You can do all those things without any faith at all. You can stay exactly where you are in life. And as a congregation, we can stay exactly where we are without any faith, without any risk. But when you're going to get out of the boat, faith is only needed to answer the call of God in our lives. And that's why I believe that periodically God will give us opportunities to overcome our fears and step out on faith. And, and when these opportunities come along, they, they place us in situations that expose our weaknesses. But you need to remember that no one ever said that walking on water was going to be easy. I love the, the message that, 
that Paul sent to Christians living in Corinth, he said, we think you ought to know something, dear brothers and sisters. We think you ought to know about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on, our, on ourselves and learned to rely on God, who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger, and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to rescue us. Paul says, we thought this was it. We thought our lives were over. We were going to die. We didn't think we were going to make it through. And as a result, we had to stop relying on ourselves, on our own wisdom, on our own strength, on our own ingenuity. And we had to learn what it meant to rely on God. And we had to learn what it meant to walk by faith. Friends, success in the kingdom of God will never come easy. The task is going to be too hard and too uncomfortable and too expensive and too scary because the devil hates you and he hates what you stand for. And it is a spiritual battle that we are involved in. And there are going to be moments when you question whether living for the Lord is worth it. And there are going to be days that you want to swim back to the safety of the boat, back to the safety of your old life with your old friends and with your old habits and with your old thoughts. And in those moments, you're going to be tempted to run away from God. But when those times come, and they will, when your weakness is exposed, then my prayer is that you're going to imitate Peter and you're going to cry out to the Lord for help. When Peter saw the wind and the waves, he was terrified and he began to sink and he cried out, save me, Lord. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. And listen to the pep talk. You have so little faith. Jesus said, why did you doubt me? You see, Jesus gives us some insight here. Some insight when it comes to, to living a life as a Christian father, insight as a, a Christian wife, as an insight when it comes to, to being that Christian roommate, insight when it comes to being the Christian community. Peter's fear was fueled by his doubt. It was fueled by his doubt. See, even though he jumped out of the boat in order to be near, near Jesus, Jesus had more faith in Peter than Peter actually had in the Lord. Jesus said, come on out, the water's fine. Come and walk with me. But in the end, Peter did not believe that he could do what Jesus had called him to do. And for me, what I've decided is that one of the greatest flaws in the Christian community today is that the Christian community has lost faith in her God. That the task, the big, audacious goal that has been given to those individuals of faith, the Christian community has said, it can't be done. It can't be done. We can't reach the masses. We can't change society. We can't impact culture. We can't make the difference that God has said. And it's not that we doubt ourselves. It's not that we see our own weaknesses. Friends, it's we doubt God. Because he's the one who says, come on, 
Walk with me. You can do it. And if Jesus tells you that you can get out of the boat, it's because he believes that you can walk on water. He believes that you can put aside your anger. He believes that you can overcome your addictions, offer forgiveness. He believes that you can become more patient, pray more fervently, live more faithfully, speak out more boldly. So stop holding on to the side of the boat. Jump overboard and start walking. Because when you do, when you do, others will worship God because they witnessed your faith. See, because your faith is going to be seen in the midst of your failure. You're going to take big risk, and you're going to fail. And there are going to be those moments where you say, God, I am totally focused on you. And then a year later, you look in the mirror and say, what have I done? And you're going to cry out to the Lord, and he will lift you. And there will be others who see your life and they will give praise and honor to God because of the faith that you had in Jesus who said, you can overcome. You can walk with me. You can change your life. You can have a different future. When they climbed back into the boat, it says the wind stopped. And then the disciples worshiped him saying, you really are the son of God. Friends, when people, see, when people see you individually and when they see this church as a community, when they see us taking big risk and launching out on faith, the end result, as promised in Scripture, is that others are seeing that and they are going to respond to God. There's a reason that Jesus said, don't hide your light, but let people see your good works because guess what? They're going to glorify your Father in heaven. Nobody sees God when the church refused to risk. Nobody sees God when a church is filled with doubt. But you show me a church community that says, I will risk it all in the name of Jesus. You, saw me, you show me a group of disciples who say, you know what? We're going to set some big, hairy, audacious goals, and we're going to step out in faith because we believe in the call of Christ. Then the promise of the Spirit is people will come to the Lord. And isn't that what we want? And I was humbled. I was humbled this last week. Uh, I attended a conference with members of our staff down in Savannah. And I met a man by the name of Youssef Bati. Youssef is a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he ministers in the Islamic Republic of Pakistan. A country that is 98% Muslim. And he told me, he said, he said, Chris, he said, the Spirit of God is moving in Pakistan. And he said, Christians are standing up. Christians are, are talking about Jesus. Jesus. 
In one of the churches that he serves, a suicide bomber killed seven worshipers just a few years ago. He told his wife, he said, if the Lord wants me to die here, then I will. He said, if someone comes in and shoots me while I'm standing up declaring, while I stand up and declare the gospel of Jesus Christ, he said, don't cry. He said, you give glory to God. For we will see each other again. We sat, he talked with me, with, with Stephen, for about an hour. And one of the last things he said before we were going to be getting up and ready to leave, I, I asked him about his family, about his wife. He has two, two young boys. And I asked about his family and how they were involved in the ministry and, and just the whole fear factor. I said, I said, don't, don't you, I said, aren't, isn't there fear? Aren't, aren't you, a, aren't you afraid to be involved in what you're, you're doing, especially since you've already had someone blow himself up there at one of the um, church assemblies, and, uh, you know, you've talked about this difficulty that, that you've had, and he said, in, in my 21 years of being a Christian, he said, I've had many opportunities to leave Pakistan. He said, but then I thought, if not me, then who? Oh, sure, God will raise somebody else up. He said, but if not me, who? And that's what I want to ask you, church. If not us, then who? If not your family, then who? If not you, then who? Who is going to be willing to take the big risk to step out of the boat with big faith so that others can worship and give praise to God? Never be afraid to walk by faith. Never apologize for walking by faith because you will always be walking with God. Do you have a big, hairy, audacious goal? Do you have something where God has called you in this moment because of where you are right now in your life, because of the job that you hold, because of the neighborhood that you live in, because of the church community that you're a part of? Is there something that you look at and say, if God isn't involved in this, then it is not going to happen. I don't know if you've ever thought in these terms. I don't know if you've ever considered getting out of the boat or not. But here's what I would love for us to do this morning. As we sing and encourage one another and, and as we lift our voices here to God now at the conclusion of this message. Uh, if you are a person that you say, you know what? I've got a big, hairy, audacious goal. Then we would love to pray for you and with you. I would love for you just to, to come forward this morning. You, you don't have to declare it in front of everybody or anything. I would just love for you to come forward so that we can pray for your big, hairy, audacious goal. And, and if, if you're someone that says, you know what? 
I've never thought about it in this terms, but I know I've got to step out of the boat and I've got to take some big risks for God and I need to be walking by faith and I don't have that goal yet, then I would love for you to come and we can pray that, you know what, Lord, allow, allow him, allow her to see what can take place in their life when you are present and when they step out in faith for you. And maybe your big, hairy, audacious goal has been to commit your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe you need to come this morning and say, because I believe that Jesus is the Christ, I want to be baptized for the remission of my sins, and we will celebrate with you. So we're going to sing, and you don't have to come. This isn't one of those things where trying to twist your arm, but look, if you've got that big, hairy, audacious goal, or if you would like to have that, then why don't you just come and, 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 and just, just line up around here and our elders will be here and, and elders, I would love to see some of you guys down here. Let me just be honest with you. And I'd love to see some of our deacons down here and I'd love to see members of our staff down here. Big faith. Big risk. Because we serve a big God. Let's give him praise.